Praise God. Well, I'm sorry I forgot to uh, get you. I had a whole bunch of pictures that came from the orphanage this week on uh, all the things that have gone on, what we've gotten purchased with couches and refrigerators and all the stuff that they were doing to construction. But I'll get that for you next week, hopefully. Amen. Look at the person beside you and say, boy, I'm ready. So get your Bibles out. Go to Psalm 73. Psalm 73, 26. I'm going to preach to you the best message I've ever preached in my entire life this morning. Some of you aren't going to like it. That's okay. See, I have so much fun preaching. And this is, if you don't know me, you're going to take this wrong. But I have so much preaching, fun preaching because I know as long as I stay on the truth of God's word, I'm right. And I don't have to worry about anything else. And so it's fun just preaching from the position of knowing you're right. You know? So uh, what I want to preach to you this morning is truth. Truth is what sets you free. Hello? Everybody say, the truth will set me free. And when you get a revelational truth from the Word of God, it comes to you, and, and you, you, you submit to it. You say, oh, gosh, I, you know? I mean, I, I, let me just tell you, though, sir, you know, like, y'all, y'all know me. I came from, I came from uh, well, let's just say low down. And uh, I had a lot to learn. I'd been in church, knew a little bit about religion, but I didn't know anything about, you know, the revelation of walking with Jesus. And, and I remember one day that I, I was in the jails preaching. And uh, as I was, you know, and, and we had an altar call, and a, I don't remember how many people. It was like seven people gave their heart to the Lord. So that night I came in because we had Sunday night services, and uh, the, the pastor asked me, he said, you know, have, uh, Robert, can you come up here and give us a report? What happened to the jails? I said, man, I went up there, and, and man, I mean, people just, you know, bunches got saved. And I realized to myself that I was embellishing a little. You know, how many fish did you catch? How big was the fish? And I'd done that all my life. And then the Holy Ghost right there in that service quickened my heart and said, you know, you got to quit lying. And I said, lying? I ain't in lying. And he said, you can call it embellishing if you want to, but you just ball face lying. And you need to quit. It's going to just ruin your whole life if you don't stop lying. You, everything you do, you have to tell exactly 100% the truth. And I was so convicted. My heart was torn. And I was so convicted that I was lying about how many people got saved. Now, that's ridiculous. And so I quit. But it took some pain and some, some, some suffering because you had to admit you were lying. Okay, Psalm 73, 26. I just wanted y'all to know I'm in the boat with y'all too. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and the portion and my portion forever. If God has your heart, hear me. If God truly has your heart, you say, oh yeah, he's got my heart. I'm saved. Oh, does he? Does he really have your heart? Or are you still in the life doing what you want to go do and asking the Lord for permission? Are you still doing the things that you want to do? And then repenting and saying, oh, Lord, he'll forgive me. He's a gracious God. And it's going on. Does God really own your heart? That's the question this morning. Is your heart really sold out to the Lord? 100%. Because I believe we're in times right now, church, you cannot be wishy-washy. 
I'm telling you, you cannot be over here saying, well, you know, and, and get, you're going to lose, man. They're going to get swept away by the flood. There's no time for that. These are days that we better be real with the Lord. We better be 100% knowing that we're cool, everything's okay. Now, listen to me. I don't have everything all figured out. I mean, I'll try to, you know, you know the, the, the end time eschatology is one of the things that, you know, you know I, I, I got it. Yeah. And then, well, wait a minute. What about this over here? You know, but that really don't make no difference in the sense that it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I just want to make sure I'm ready for whatever. Y'all with me? I'm talking about the things that happen in our lives when we know that we know that we're wrong. But you don't do anything about it. You just ask the Lord for forgiveness. Have you noticed today that there are so many people in the world that have never really served the Lord, yet with the moment something doesn't happen the way they think it should have happened, they're mad at God and say, well, I'm not going to serve him. And I'm going to say, well, you weren't serving him before, but you're mad at him now. All right. Go to Matthew 22, 37. Well, let me just quote it to you so I can get on here. I'm, I think I'm going to be long winded today and we got food to eat. So Matthew 22, 37 says, Jesus said in the, when they asked him, what's the greatest commandment? He should love the Lord your God with all your heart, 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 not your head, not your, you know, anything else, your heart. There's a place on the inside of you, folks, that is precious and dear to the Lord. There's a place on the inside of you that, that you, can, you can have a connection with heaven. And it's called your heart. But if your heart's wrong or your heart's off, or your heart's gotten twisted or your heart's gotten wounded or your heart's gotten broken or your heart's got rest on it or whatever. Years ago, 1987, I was in a hotel room and, and that night the Lord woke me up. And I didn't see Jesus appear as, as a, a man standing there, but I knew the Spirit of God was in the room because I don't usually wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning wide awake and somebody's talking to me and I'm writing it down. And the Lord starts speaking to me and I wrote all this down and he told me in 1987 that the greatest anointing on my life was going to be that I was going to have the ability to preach and people's hearts were going to be adjusted. I'm believing for that miracle this morning. I'm believing this morning because some people have, have gotten off track and, 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 and you're missing God and you're missing the joy and the fruit and the glory of God because something's happened in your life, a, a problem, a, 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 you know, an issue, a, something's happened that got you off track that there's a part of your heart that's not the Lord's. Ooh. It's not the Lord's. And if it's not the Lord's, well, then what's going to happen is that's a place that the devil can land his helicopter and work on you. He can fly right in there. Hello? Some of it you don't know. And you got to have a revelation of it. Right? My favorite story, but there's some new faces so I get to tell it again of the woman who was cooking the Thanksgiving meal, had the turkey, she was taking the knife and was cutting the turkey in half. And the daughter asked her mother, why do you cut that turkey in half? And he said, well, uh, I don't know, really. My mother always cut the turkey in half. And I just, you know, I've always done it because my mother did it. And she said, well, let's call Granny and see. So she calls Granny and said, Granny, why, why did you always cut the Thanksgiving turkey in half? She said, well, my oven was too small. So some of you may be doing things in life and operating things in life just because that's the only way you've ever seen it done, the only thing that you know, the only thing that goes into your reason and your heart. So you just keep doing it, but it's causing a, 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 there to be a detrimental place between you and your relationship with God. 
And folks, these days, you better be hearing God sharp. Man, I'm telling you, you better be hearing God sharp, 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 sharp. So, uh, you know, just kind of the rebel that I am, you know, I was talking to a person the other day and they were, they were, they were talking that, you know, constitutional carry just got passed in Texas, right? So, yes, no. Oh, okay, well, let's get there in Jesus' name. Anyway, somebody was arguing with me about that, and I said, look, I'm not going to argue with you about this. The way I look at it is if this side wants to take my guns and this side wants to strap one on everybody that's got one, can you got a leg, then do it, because I'd rather be farther over on the extreme over here than agreeing with those guys anywhere. And if it irritates them, do it more. Okay, that was kind of my opinion. My point is, is with the Lord, too. Listen, you don't know where you are. I would rather be so far at the farthest extreme over here with Jesus so I don't give any place to the devil over here because I hate him. Because I've seen him work into people's lives too much. I'm not preaching this because, like, I'm mad at y'all this morning. I'm preaching this because I love you. I want to see you get saved. I have seen too many people end up in divorce in their marriage because of some something that happened that they never got out of their heart. They never laid it on the altar of their heart to get delivered from. And so therefore, later on, the devil got in there and he twisted and he turned and he picked and he poted and prodded and he got this going. And so then he got a riff going. and He got this going all because of that issue. If they'd have just cleaned the spill right then, they wouldn't have slipped on it later. Amen. And so I'm preaching this out of love to you this morning, man. I mean, if I wanted to preach Ugly, I, I preach ugly, man. But I'm trying to preach love here, so don't take it wrong. So Joel chapter 2, verse 12 says, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all of your heart, with fastings, with weepings, with mournings. So rend your heart and not your garments. Now this word rend, <clears throat> you can try to candy coat it. You can try to make it all nicey-nicey, but the bottom line, that word means to tear, to tear away, to tear out, to tear asunder, to rend open, to be rent, to be split asunder. I mean, so there's no nicey about that, right? It's not like, oh, gently remove it with a pair of tweezers. No, it's like jerk it out, like no matter what's going to happen. Hello? Because there's something in there and it's just, just get it out. And so you got to watch it. So, so it doesn't do me any good to tell you all this unless I tell you, like, show you how to check your heart. Right? So Jeremiah 29, 13. You got to hear this. Hear it good. Hear it good. And you will seek me and find me. Do you realize if you seek God, you will find him? There's, listen, if you tell me, well, I sought the Lord and I, 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 he didn't say anything to me, you didn't hear. Because if I got to believe somebody, I'm believing the Lord. Hello? And if he says, if you seek me, you'll find me. So if you didn't find him, you didn't seek him right or you weren't hearing. Come on. Y'all looking at me like y'all all sad, like somebody just, you know, Got your last piece of bread. Right? This is a good message I'm going to tell you because I'm going to get it down to here in a minute. You're going to be able to go home and you're going to be able to create an altar in your heart. Lay the things of your heart out before you and let them get examined by the presence of God. That's what I'm going to show you if you want to. If you're too scared to, well, then you won't. But if you really want to have a deep relationship with the Lord, I'm going to show you how you do it. 
It's simple. It's not complicated. Nothing in the gospel is complicated. We make it complicated because we make it religion, not relationship. Okay? So here we go. So he says, if you seek me, you're going to find me. When you search for me with all of your heart. Hmm. So I want you to know the journey today that you're on will end in victory on God's side because he's saying, if you seek me, you're going to find me. So there's no way, if you do seek him, you can't find him. He will show himself real to you. Okay. So Proverbs 13, 12 says, and I'm building this all up about the heart, and then we're going to get into this in just a minute, but I got to show you some things. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So you can actually have your heart right. It's not like a one-time deal. Like you just go, ha, ha, and then you're right. Okay. Because then there could be another issue come up. So you can get your heart, because it says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Something you were thinking was going to happen, something you thought was going to take place, something that was going to go on, and it didn't happen, then your heart got sick. So you got to have your heart nursed all the time by the Holy Ghost. That's why we have to have fellowships. That's why 1 John 1, 9 says, if we walk with him and, and have fellowship with him, then the blood of Jesus cleanses us. It's a continual process, folks. You don't just ever get it down, and you are full of glory, and whoop, there's always going to be some yahoo, some yazoo, they and them. Let me ask you this. Like this morning, I was dealing with some anger for a church. Because how many of y'all would enjoy it, would like it if you went home from church today and walked into your house and someone just went in your house that you don't know who it was and took and arranged all of your furniture differently? How many of y'all would like that? Huh? Is there anybody here that would just love and like you're hoping this morning when you go home, some stranger's been in your house and arranged your furniture differently, took all the plates, put them in a different drawer, you know, whatever. How many of y'all would like that? Well, when I got up this morning messing with my phone, trying to prepare my message and get everything written down, somebody got in there. Had that stupid update and everything wasn't where it was. And I felt just like somebody had been in my house and arranged my furniture. So, you know, they say that the phones, they're listening. So I talked to it. I let it know what I thought, that I didn't appreciate everything being in a different place and things not being in the right place where I left them. And I don't like it. So I told it. Okay, so there's always something that can make your heart sick. You got to watch out for it unexpectedly. I didn't expect to get mad that somebody had been in my house and rearranged my furniture. Right. So it's a process. It's always going to take place. It's always going to go on. It says in Psalms 147 to 147 to. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcast of Israel. He heals the broken heart. So. There's healing that can always take place, right? The heart may get sick, but there's always healing. So if you're here today and you say, my heart's broken, the, the, I, I, I'm sick, my things didn't work the way I thought they were going to work in my heart. Listen, the good news is Jesus heals broken hearts. Luke 4, 18 says, man, I have come to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. The anointing of God is upon me. That's what he said. So look at the person beside you and say, that's good news. It's not like you broke it and it can't get fixed. Oh, I mean, I, I just saw it. 
Some of y'all said, well, that didn't seem to be working for me. And I just saw it. I mean, it's like, whoosh, 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 try to come on me like a dark cloud trying to tell me why it wouldn't work. But I want to tell you something. The reason why your heart's still broken is because you've never laid it on the altar of God. Because God heals broken hearts. You're going to call God a liar? That he doesn't heal broken hearts? You say, well, I prayed about it. And I, oh, but wait a minute. You didn't do what I'm telling you to do. Because I'm serious, folks. <clears throat> I've told you all this. I'm not looking forward to the future and the natural getting any better. Okay? I think the, I think the spirit of, of, of idiocracy has been released from the bottomless pit and is running amok. And everybody who has a, 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 a tap to be an idiot is. Okay? And so, uh, I mean, just infested with stupid. All right? But on the other hand, I believe that the people of God who will walk with God and will walk in the things of God, we're looking for the best days of our life. We're looking for the, mo the greatest miracles. We're looking for the days of the Apostle Paul, like to call somebody to go blind and just they go blind. You say, well, are you looking for that one right here? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd have been right there at James and John. Can we call fire down from heaven? Let's do it. But the Apostle Paul, when, when the, the false prophet was giving him a hard time there, you know, and, 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 and he just said, blindness come upon you. I couldn't see. I like it. We're in the days right now, I'm telling you folks, that you're going to see miracle provisions. You're going to see things going on. You're going to see things happening if you serve God. But we've got to be wholeheartedly 100% sold out and it's all going to come from the attitude of your heart and what's really in it so the love that i'm preaching to you this morning is look i'm trying to show you you got to get your heart on the altar of god because if you don't and you don't have it right well then you're going to get you're going to get deceived all right so the song of solomon chapter 8 verse 6 says Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. He's, he's praying on it. He says, basically, Lord, cover me and set a seal on me and keep me. Because he understood that the heart was so important. Proverbs 4, 23, I've been using, using, using. All of, out of the, all the issues of life come from your heart. See, we say it's our head. Well, my head's crazy. But truly, it's the heart. It's truly the heart. If your heart's right with God and stays pure with him, I'm telling you, <laughs> you're set for the greatest days of miracles you've ever seen. Y'all don't seem to be excited about it. That's all right. So let me get into it. Let me show you this. Let me just go on. Get into something maybe a little more exciting for you. 1 Kings 18. Now you want to turn there. 1 Kings 18. And you're going to want to mark it down. You're going to read all of this later. 1 Kings 18. It's the story of Elijah up on Mount Carmel. Now, it's a great story. And and you may have already heard it. And I have preached this thing and preached this thing and preached this thing myself over the years because I love it. It's just one of those, woo, you just want to come up and say, woo, go God. Right? So there's the wicked king. For those of you that may not know it, there's the wicked king Ahab. And Ahab doesn't serve the Lord. He doesn't like the Lord. He really hates this old prophet called Elijah. And so 
because uh, Elijah's called a drought down, uh, you know, God told him, he said, pray and stop raining. And he did, and it did. And, and Elijah had the miracles of sitting by the brook and the ravens coming and feeding him. And then he goes to Zarephath and that's where the, the, the oil and the, the uh, didn't quit. The oil and the meal didn't run out. And they had, you know, supernatural miracles there. But now Elijah's, God's called him out for the great showdown, you know, it's like John Wayne walking out in the street. Just, I mean, it's coming down. The bad guy's down there, right? And so Elijah tells Ahab that, you know, go get all your prophets. Go get them all. Oh, man, I did the wrong thing. See? Get out of my house. I'm trying to get there. Oof. Oof. Okay, come on, cooperate. Thank you. Okay, so Elijah says, go get all the prophets and bring them up to Mount Carmel. So they brought up 450. So it's 450 against one, and they didn't figure God in. Right? So I want to pick it up in, in verse uh, 20. And it says, so Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? You see, folks, this is the issue. When your heart's not right with God, you get, you, you get this faltering between two opinions. That's what James says. James says, in James 1, he says, you're like the waves tossed by the sea. There's doubt and unbelief. And a man that's not truly sold out is not going to be able to walk with the Lord. Now, you can say on one hand, you say, oh, Lord, I love you. I worship you. I praise you. I just love going with you. But then on the other hand, if you're mean and ugly to your wife, then something's wrong. Oof. Or if you go to the coffee shop and spew hatred out of your mouth because you've gotten so irritated at the government. I mean, the government, we've got some problems to be irritated with them about, but you don't get into hate because hate's going to be a place that the devil's going to land in your heart and he's going to kill you. That's what I'm trying to say to you. I'm trying to show you this. I'm trying to make this. A, a, you cannot just look. This is more difficult, Lord, than I thought it'd be. So. You know, the Bible says if a man wants some friends, he's got to show himself friendly, right? So if you don't have any friends, maybe it's because you haven't been friendly. And you say, well, I just don't like people. <laughs> but if you're faltering between two, between two opinions, you can't have one foot in the word of God and one foot in the world saying, well, I still like these principles. You can't do that. It's got to be 100% sold out. But the people answered him, not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone men left a prophet of the Lord. Now, actually, Elijah's heart, it's a miracle that God did what he was going to do because his heart really wasn't right in all this. Because he has the orphan syndrome upon him. It's only me. I'm the only one left. He's victim mentality. But God dealt with that later. And he got it right. 
Therefore, let them give us two bulls, let them choose one for themselves, cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood, put no fire under it, put and prepare the bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. Then you call upon the name of their gods and I will call upon the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire. He is God. So the people answer him. Yeah, yeah. It's well spoken. I like it. Now, Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourself and prepare it first. You, you know, you can go first. Y'all go ahead and start it. For many of you, you call upon the name of your God, and, but, and he'll put fire into it. So they took the bull which was given to them. They prepared it. They called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. And Baal, 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 hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. And they leaped around the altar, which they had made. And so it was that at noon, Elijah began to mock him. That's why I like the guy. He's talking trash on the golf course, okay? I mean, the dude just can't keep it quiet. He can't just, you know, just let them do their deal. He's now my, hey, why don't you call louder, you know? Uh, he's a God. Maybe he's meditating or he's busy. Or he's gone on a journey or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. I mean, he's just throwing trash at them. So they cried out louder. And then they got a knife out, went to cut themselves as their custom was. And lances and the blood gushed out of them. So they're just, their boys are just tearing themselves up. Now, when midday was passed, they prophesied until the time of their offering of the evening sacrifices. There was no voice, no answer. No one paid attention. Hello. So here it is. They've done their deal. They're cut up, bleeding. God hasn't answered. It's not moving. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Now, <clears throat> as I go on, proceed on from this message here, I wanted to explain to you, you know, as far back as you can look in history, there were always people making altars to gods. This is not something new, making an altar. But the whole premise behind making an altar is that you, you, you labored. You didn't just put it on the ground in the dirt, right? It's not like you just went up and said, yeah, you, 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 you bring your offering up to the, your God, whoever he was, and say, yeah, here you go, and just threw it on the dirt. You made an altar. You created an altar. You took an altar of your own hands, of your own dedication, of your sweat, of your brow. You made an altar. Abraham, when he took Isaac up, he made an altar. Altars have always been made. And I'm going to tell you this morning in this message from here, I'm going to show you how to make an altar in your life that you lay your heart on to the Lord. Each and every one of you need an altar within your own heart. You need a place in your own heart that you can go to God and you know it's real. And it's the altar that you have made upon principles that you have made that God has inspired you. Now, some of you are just going to take mine and say, oh, yeah, it's good. I just do what pastor said. Just write my, my, write my stones down, my, my altar down. But you need to create your own. If you're really serious in this time, you really need to take some time and look at your life and see what's important. These are days that you need to be sitting on your front porch, not complaining about everything that's happening, but spend the time on your front porch talking to the Lord, saying, Lord, what's really going on? And what do I need to be doing in life? And what would you, what would you like me to do? These are days that you really need to be drawing close to the Lord on everything that's going on. We have done enough griping and complaining. 
Jesus said if you'd grab and complain, if, you, if it would have made you taller, you'd be giants. I paraphrase that, but you know. We would be the land of giants walking around because we like to gripe and complain, right? But how many of you in griping and complaining have really ever gotten anything changed? So Elijah said to all the people, come near. So all the people came near and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Some of you have had an altar in your life. Some of you have had a moment in life when you were really dedicated to the Lord and you were really serving him. But your altar has been broken down through strife, through problems, through issues, through whatever. And your altar and your heart got torn down. That holy place within your life has been compromised. So Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then the, took the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the, large, uh, the altar large enough to hold two seas of, of seed. Now, I know that he used 12 stones, but I don't know how the altar actually really worked out, Okay. So I'm, just give me this one. If y'all have some great revelation and you have gone to the Holy of Holies and have seen the altar made by Elijah and I'm wrong, just leave me alone and give me this one, all right? But I'm saying if there's 12 stones and you're going to arrange those stones in some sort of a symmetrical order, you could go two, four, two, four, or you could go... Three, 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 or it may have been where one stone was laid on the top. I don't know. But my point is this morning, I'm going in threes. I'm saying it was a three, 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 three. It was a cube. Just give it to me. If it was a two, four, two, it don't make any difference. You go build your altar a two, four, two. Mine's a three, three, three. Twelve stones. He put wood on it in the order, and he cut the bull in pieces. He laid on the wood and, and filled four water pots of water, poured it, poured it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. So he wanted to make sure everybody knew that the wood was wet. There was nobody going to, he wasn't creating a spark. He wasn't doing anything but God. How many of you ever tried to put on a good face, you know, but your wood was wet? So the water ran around all the altar, and he filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near, and he said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord. Hear that this people may know that you are the Lord God, and that you have turned their hearts, hearts, turned their hearts. Turn their hearts back to you again. All of this was taking place for a heart issue because they were going to see that God was real. And at that moment that they saw it, Elijah said it was going to turn their hearts. Then the fire of the Lord fell, consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God! The Lord, He is God! Well, what a bunch of sorry swine, you know? I mean, just right before that, they were just with the prophets of Baal, hoping that they, he, that worked. Anyway, they fell on their face and said, he is God, he's God. 
That's what I'm praying for y'all this morning. That some of y'all this morning, someone out there watching, somewhere, wherever you are, you're going to fall on your face today and say, God is God. He is God. He is real. The thing that's wrong in my life is my heart. And God's going to come in and he's going to visit you and he's going to change you like you have never, ever seen before. You're going to have such an experience that it's going to be unbelievable on what God is going to do with you. So this altar, like I said, doesn't make any difference how you do it. What stones have you used to make your altar? So I'm a, I'm a 333 guy, right? If you want to be a 242, you just put your, you figure it out. But I'm a 333 guy. What stones you make? What is, is one side of your altar selfish, self-seeking in my way? The other side is stubborn, arrogant, and proud? These are the things that you've built your altar on that you have strength in that you say, look, I'm just going to, I'm stubborn and I'm going to make it happen. So I put this one in here this morning thinking about me because I did have this stone in my altar. An embellisher, jealousy, and a thief? You say, well, no, I'm not like that at all. Wait a minute. Have you stepped over people in life to get ahead? Have you, have you, uh, you know, exaggerated to that you're better than you are to get a better job, to get a higher pay scale, or you did more, or you accomplished more. I mean, well, come on, folks, it's a lot. I'm not talking about here like you broke into the, you know, the liquor store and knocked it over. I'm talking about the little things in your heart that you steal. You know, one of those deals like lawyers say to you when they're in there and say, look, you know, this is business, it's not personal. And you're like, you're an idiot, it's personal. That's one thing, don't ever, listen, anybody out there watching this or in here, never tell me that, never walk up to me and say, Robert, it's business, not personal. I'll hit you right in the mouth. Because if you're doing it to me, it's personal. There is not like you can pull yourself out of your skin, come over here and do something ugly so you can get your way, step back into your skin and say, well, but this is just the way the game is played. No. No. Don't talk to me like that. But is that a stone in your altar? Manipulation, one side is a manipulation, scheming and lying. Look at the person beside you and say, man, I hope he's not talking about you. <laughs> Folks, when you grow up in life, depending on what's going on, you, you learn these things. They're learned behaviors that get inside of your heart and you make an altar. And then on your altar, what you're sacrificing on the altar is you're making it happen. You're saying it. But the truth of it is you just want it your way. That's the hardest part. It's not getting your way. Like when I, I, I can tell the story. My wife loves me very good. It's just a lot. Loves me a lot. And when we first got married, never forget, we came home from the honeymoon, and it was our first supper that she was going to fix for the man of the house, you know. And I was used to, I was growing on a ranch, you know. And mom always fixed big meals and put them in there. And we came home, and we were sitting there. And, and she said, we're sitting there, I'm kind of thinking, like, she should be getting up about this time to go fix something, you know, is what I'm thinking. But I didn't want to say anything. I was trying to be more gentlemanly than that. And we were just married, and I didn't want to say, are you going to make any supper, you know? And so I was smart. And so I waited until finally she said, are you hungry? And I said, yeah, I'm getting kind of hungry. And she said, well, I'll go fix something. And so she comes back and she said, how, how about I fix us an egg sandwich? I'm like, what? An egg sandwich? So again, I didn't want to offend. I was trying to be nice. I thought, well, something said sandwich in the word and an egg. So I like eggs and like a sandwich. So I don't know. I've never seen this nor heard of this in my life. 
Oh, in a minute, she comes back with the egg sandwich, and I learned all about what an egg sandwich was. It was a shock to my system. <laughs> but at that point, I realized that we were in a place in life that we were going to grow together and love each other, and I didn't really get my way of backstraps, biscuits, and gravy. <laughs> so we started with an egg sandwich. Are you with me? And so my point is in life, if you've built your altar of your life and in your heart all about trying to manipulate and scheme and get things and make things happen your way and in your marriage, you're trying to do this or trying to do that or your workplace or your life or whatever, and you're scheming around trying to get all this stuff done because that's what you think is going to work on your altar. I'm telling you, your altar is going to fail. Proverbs 15, 8 says, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. The problem and the reason why you haven't seen God moving in your life is you have to check, are the stones, the pillars, the foundation of your altar of your life, are they right with God? And if you're trying to build your life on a foundation that is not the foundation of God and truth, then what happens is you offer your sacrifices on a broken altar. Am I making sense? Can I move to the next point? If y'all more you say amen, the faster I go along because I think you got it. But the more y'all just stare at me like a cow going through a new gator, like, oh, dear God, let's run. Then the longer I stay on the point because I keep thinking you ain't got it. So let me give you some righteous stones for your altar. Okay, here's some righteous stones you can put in your altar. Here's three. Faith, hope, and love. Huh? Faith, hope, and love. Here's some righteous things that you can do. Listen to me. Where are you going to go anywhere else? What other God are you going to serve? That's what Peter told Jesus. He says, where else can I go? you got the words of eternal life. It's only you. Where is your faith, your hope, and your love? You know what hope is? It means that the positive attitude that God's with you. And that spirit that's in the world today and swarming around all of us is all wanting to point the fingers at God doesn't do anything. God doesn't do anything. God's not real. God's not real. That's what the spirit that's in the world today, that deceiving Jezebel spirits in the world today, just trying to say, look, God's not doing anything. We're going to have our day. But he's, they're not. I'm telling you, see, the hope on the inside of me and the faith on the inside of me says, no, you, <clears throat> man, it's going to be ugly for you. It's going to be bad. I'm really sorry, but boof, you're not going to have any good days ahead. Love. Love is not something that's going on around here today. The spirit of stupid loosed upon people has tried to say, basically, they're going to make laws that make you love people. What? Just think about that. They're going to make a law that says that you got to love people. Give me a break. Okay, another, third, another side. The word, the Sabbath, and the church. Folks, listen to me. I'm so glad we have the broadcast. I'm so glad that it goes out all over the world to people and reaches people that, you know, uh, uh, can't be here with us. And so many people I know, you go to a church and then you come home and you watch this, and, and, and I'm glad it's there for you. But I want to tell you something, you can't let the video replace 
brothers and sisters in church, the presence of God in church. I'm believing that the days ahead and see it's our faith that connects. It's the spirit of expectation that breeds an atmosphere for miracles. And the more people that come and the more people that are excited and the more people that are connected and the more people that get in with their faith, the more people that got their altars or their hearts right, the more miracles we're going to see, the more things that are going to take place, the more, the more, woo, it's going to be good. All right? On the Sabbath is a day that we honor God. It's a day, listen to me, I, this is funny because I was raised going to church. And Sunday we always went to church, and I knew from a little kid you didn't work on Sunday. I mean, unless there was some sort of major emergency, we just didn't do it. Because we were set up in our household that Sunday was a day. You worship God, you go to God. It's a, it's a, it's a godly day. You don't work on Sunday. Now, I don't know how you feel about that, but I believe it's something important. I believe it's something that has to be a foundation stone of the altar of your heart. The word, the Sabbath, and the church. I believe the church is important. Not this building, not this structure, but us joined together and believing as one. It's a powerful thing. I believe Living Waters Church, you, you, you right here, you out there. When your prayers and you're getting in agreement with us in prayer, I believe those prayers are going to heaven and I believe it's a corporate thing and I, I believe the angels say, oh, here comes living waters. It's a powerful thing. And today people, you know, are not attending church. And I understand, you know, the, the virus deal and whatever COVID going on around the world, but I'm telling you the devil is trying to shut down the church. And it's a bunch of bull. I'll let it go with them. Another side, another side. It gets into people, family, the lost, and the oppressed. Listen to me. If you've gotten so cold in your life that you don't care that people are hurting, then you're missing it on the altar of life. I grieve that people are so stupid. Now, I want to help them, and I, I, I want to pray for them. I want to see them good going in on the right direction, and some people are just refusing. They're just, you know, like the cow that just continues to stick their head to the fence and gets hung, you know? I mean, after a while, you're just going to say, bossy, you're just stupid. But my point is, family, your family, you're getting your family, your church family, your associates, your friends, your family, all that, the lost, people that don't know Jesus, all right? And then the oppressed are those people that do know Jesus, but... Need their altar changed. It needs to be a part of your own altar. And I'm so proud of you guys because you're so big in, in, in blessing the orphans and doing all these things and miracles and signs and things going on like that. But and, and that's a part of our heart. It's part of our altar. It's a part of my altar. And the last leg, last side, would be something that's in your own self. Honor, or you could call it integrity. Honor, integrity loyalty, and I won't tell you all this last one. You're gonna, you, you may laugh, but in my altar on there is consistency. Consistency. Years ago, I was crying out to the Lord, and, and I just started pastoring, and I was just crying out to the Lord, Lord, what, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And he said, be faithful, be consistent, and don't quit. And until the Lord tells me a new plan, that's my plan. I just show up. 
but I'm here. I'm consistent. I raised my family to be consistent. My wife's consistent. We're here. We're going to be here. We're going to be here forever. And I have seen over the years I've pastored in this church for 28 years. And the pastors, other pastors around have come and they have gone. And I'm still standing and I'm still swinging. And my punch may not be as hard as it used to be, but my word's sharper than it's been. Right? I don't move quite my, some of my cat-like reflexes if waned they have waned but i'm still standing here and now i'm now i'm at the age where i'm looking okay how much longer can i consistently go you know and i'm starting to say okay you know i still think i'm young it's like i almost hit a person the other day because they said you know we really need to start praying about getting some young people in the church and i said who are you talking about i said i am young I said, uh, Pastor, you're not part of the young crowd anymore. And I said, what are you talking about? Fool, slap you down. Not a part of the young crowd. What do you mean, young crowd? What are you talking about? And then it kind of dawned on me, you know? It's like, oh, made me sick. But consistency. Staying in the fight. It's something I'm, I, I, I'm just telling you. I just, so many times I wake up and say, well, Lord, I'm, I'm here. My, my, my steps may not be too quick. My stride may not be too long, but I'm still here. I'm still swinging. I'm still standing up. I'm still telling you about people about Jesus. I'm still going to preach. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop my faith. I'm not going to quit believing. I'm not going to turn and say, God, why didn't you do something? I'm going to stand right here and just keep going and just keep going and just keep going and just keep going because consistency is a part of my altar. It's in my heart. So what's in yours? Because what you've built your altar with is going to be what brings victory in your life. Are y'all following me? You need to go home and do some thinking about what are you willing, willing to build your altar out of? Because only your altar is only going to be as powerful as what you build it out of. Now, once you get past that point, you've got 12 things in your life. You say, I'm, I'm willing to die for these points. Like, listen to me, folks. No matter what happens, I, you're, you're, you know, I'm not going to quit serving the Lord. It doesn't make any difference what goes on, what tragedy, what anything could happen, whatever. I am going to serve Jesus. Jesus is real. I know it. You're not going to, you know, it, it would be as much as saying, trying to get me to convince that somebody convinced me that you didn't exist. All right? I'm not going to change. My faith is strong. I'm going to stay there. I'm going to keep swinging. I'm going to be a man of honor. I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to lie. I don't like it when somebody calls me a, a cheat or a liar. It's just not a part of me. I'm not going to do it. I don't need to do it. Right? What's it going to gain me to cheat or to lie? I'm going to honor something that I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give it up. I'm not going to give up just being consistent. I'm not going to, I don't care that, I, that somebody else is a great sprinter. So, you know, like, like these, these great athletes, just imagine this, these great track and field athletes that, whoosh, the flash, right? The difference between me and them is I started my race like 36 years ago and I'm still running. I'm still in it. I didn't stop on the sidelines. I didn't finish the 100-yard 
And then now I'm just went over to the side, look, give me my medal. I'm still in it. I'm still running it. I'm still going. I'm still on the track. Amen. Oh, some days I'm moving faster than others. You know, some days it gets a little rocky, a little hilly. I'm we're a little consistent, sliding a few rocks over, making sure my footing's good before I take that step. You know, I want to make sure I don't slip and fall off. These are the things that are in your heart that you're willing to die for. You will not give up. Let me tell you this, another one I just thought about right here, but I I don't have it in my leg and I can't get 13. So I'd have to take one out, but you know, I don't know. You can't offend me. You can make me mad. Right? You can say something ugly to me. You make me mad, but I'm not going to get offended with you because I know that I am just not going to let that sit in my heart. So I'm not going to get offended. I'm going to forgive and go on. You may make me mad. I may not like you too much. I may not want to talk to you the first time I see you, but bless God, I'll get over that too. Are you following what I'm saying here, church? Because everything is constantly on the move and on the altar of my life, laying up there and putting it up there and saying, oh, God, this happened right here because I've got this altar built and I'm willing to die for. And that's what you have to do. And when you put it up on the altar and seek God, you know what happens? He comes, he shows up. Oh, let me see. Let me examine that. Yeah, uh, We'll see, Robert, right over here in this part of your heart, you got this little issue right here. And well, let's just get the Holy Ghost oil over here. Woo! Put it on there. And you're like, ah, yeah, I like it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So what happens? But you've got to have the altar if you want to see God move. If you want the fire to fall in your life, you have to have an altar that you lay it down on. And if you don't, or you just hadn't thought of that, if you've just, if God to you is nothing but giving him the grocery list and trying to see if he'll bring it home for you, it's not going to work in these days. You've got to have fellowship with him. Got to have fellowship with him. You've got to go before the altar, kneel down before the altar that you've made there, lay your heart up on there and say, God, help me. I'm broken. I'm stupid. I don't know what to do. Pride's in me, Lord. And let him come in there and heal you. And when you do that, miracles will take place. Amen. So put your Bibles up from the greatest message I ever preached in my life. It was sharp. It was pointed. But it was victorious. So this is what I want you to do. For those of you out there, you know, wherever you are, just stay tuned in. I want you to just put your Bibles up. I want you to just stand up. And, and sweetie, can I come have you play something? And can I have my prayer team come down, please? For everyone, I just want you to know, I'm going to pray. And if this message is spoken to your heart, I ask you to just take some time today. And if you will close your eyes and open up your heart and say, Jesus, show me the, the, the stones I need to replace on my altar. Show me where I've done it wrong. I believe with all of my heart, if you seek him, you will find him. And you need to make your list of 12 stones, 12 pillars of your altar. So you can take your heart to it and let Jesus transform you. 
There's so many, I just feel it in my heart that there's those of you that are crying out and you're you're really hurt, you're really brokenhearted. You're really brokenhearted, I know it. And things haven't gone your way and I know that's what the Bible said that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But I want you to know something, Jesus wants to heal you, he wants to heal you right now in a supernatural encounter with him. All you've got to do is seek him cry out to him right there just begin to say Jesus heal my heart heal my heart so father I pray for everyone right now that's brokenhearted and I just declare devil you've you've abused them long enough and I tell you you have no more power no more right no authority over them in Jesus name that because today they've tuned into the broadcast because today they've come to church wherever they be and heard the sound of the voice They've heard the sound of the voice of the Lord calling them. And you have no rights and you have no privileges over them. And I rebuke you and I break every chain and yoke off of them them right now in Jesus' name. I declare the anointing of God goes and arrests their faith. And that, Lord, as they turn to you and seek you with all of their heart, they're going to find you. And as they find you, Lord, you deliver them and you heal them and you mend their broken hearts right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I just believe it to be a supernatural event in their life. Whether it's tonight when they're asleep, whether it's right now, wherever it be, Lord God, you touch them. And they know, Lord, you're real. And they know that you are God. Lord, I pray for them. And I thank you for them. Bless them. Bless them. Bless those in here, Lord God. Just lost a loved one or are been disappointed or discouraged and their hearts have been broken, Lord, bless them. And Lord, I pray for those out there that don't know you, Jesus, that they will turn to you. And as they cry out to you, Lord God, that they'll hear you. You'll save them, deliver them, set them free. So Lord, I praise you for this day. You're such an amazing God. And I thank you for blessing us and blessing our time and our fellowship and our uh, just joy and love of being together. I believe you, Lord God, that today is a day of change. That this day, Lord God, hearts have changed. Miracles have taken place. And I praise you for it, Lord. Now bless them. Bless the food that's been prepared. And Lord, I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Church, God bless you. We're here to pray for you if you need prayer. Otherwise, have some good fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen.